This is the Assumption Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. When dawn breaks, mercies arise. Assumption Church is a Roman Catholic community under the care of the Franciscan Friars Conventual of Our Lady of Angels Province. It is a community of faith which is active in service and its ministries bring the gospel message of peace, reconciliation, and love to Syracuse and all of central New York. Your glory here among us. Great is our so welcome to our first inaugural cow talk. Uh, if you're in case you're wondering, Maria would know, but this is a tau. It's a, it's, a le- it's a Greek letter T. In the Hebrew scriptures, it was used as a sign for renewal in the church. And uh, Pope uh, Honor, uh, Innocent III at the Fourth Lateran Council wanted to renew the church, and he said we will, we will use the tau as a symbol for the church's evangelization and renewal. Pope uh, St. Francis was there and saw it and said, oh, this is a great idea. And so he adopted the Tao as a symbol of renewal and a symbol of the order. So Tao Talks basically is about renewing the church from within. So for us who uh, have questions and want to grow, um, it's an opportunity to, uh, to grow. And we've got it named Tao Talks because it sounds like TED Talks, which is that <laughs> international... Uh... So anyway, so what I have is, is a brief outline of what we're going to talk about. And um, if you want, you can... Uh, Take some, um, I have some questions that might come up while I'm talking that you might want to talk about later. So this is meant to be a conversation based on what we've talked about and see where, where you're at with things. So our topic is prayer and I, I wanted to first of all talk about in general what prayer is. Most of us think of prayer, when we, when we think of praying we think of words or actions and I think prayer is more of, uh, it's all those things and more. Fundamentally, it's, it's a stance, it's a way of living that acknowledges God's goodness. And so it, it could be a sigh, a glance up to heaven, it could be a thought in your heart, it could be a word you speak, it could be a time uh, or an activity, but it's basically staying connected, having a connection to God. And uh, last weekend in my homily, I talked about how it's like staying connected to Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi is a beautiful image now. You know, most of us, if we go somewhere where there's no Wi-Fi, it's like we can't breathe. It it should be the same way in our relationship with God. The good thing is the Wi-Fi of God never gives out. It is always full force. It is always there. It's we who just shut down our capacity to to receive it. The line is always open from God's end. So it's a question of just being aware and intentional about keeping that communication open. Um, And there's... There is no right way or wrong way to pray. Uh, A friar once told me, pray as you can, not as you can't. Uh, Because that's one of the concerns that uh, I hear a lot from people is, oh, Father, I used to be able to to do the rosary all the time, and now I do it, and it doesn't doesn't work for me. Well, then don't do the rosary. Do something else. Go with what works as opposed to what doesn't work. When we look at, at prayer, there's different elements to prayer. And... The Mass is the, the Eucharist is the high point of prayer. It is the ultimate prayer in the life of, a, of, of, a, of the church because it includes every aspect of prayer. So if you look at your sheet, you'll see uh, the elements of prayer are adoration. Just, adoration means just acknowledging who God is and God is God and that we are his creatures. And, that, and the blessing, 
prayer and prayer always starts from God because it's it's God who does something for us and we are just acknowledging that that kind of acknowledgement um, grateful a sense of gratitude is the, the most important prayer the, the basic prayer of, of adoration the other type of prayer that we have is petition so basically it's, it's more about us and asking for God's grace and, and praying for God's especially forgiveness or mercy acknowledging that we need God in our lives and then once we're done with ourselves we often move on to intercession um, which is what many of us are used to my father was a great great prayer of intercessions he would actually bargain with God right <laughs> he was very good at that um, Lord you know take care of my daughter and I'll have so many masses said for your glory or I'll give this donation to this thing I don't think I don't think we can arm wrestle with God and, and sort of force God to do what we want but I thought that the fact that he had the comfort to say help me you know said a lot and, and that he cared enough about people to pray for them the other prayer that's important type of prayer is the prayer of Thanksgiving recognizing what God is doing for us and and giving thanks when we work I, I work with Francis Corps volunteers and we try to share with them Franciscan spirituality one of the things I say to them, the most important quality of a Franciscan is gratitude. And that's, that runs through all of the canticle of creation. You know, uh, praise be you, my Lord, for brother sun, sister moon, sister water, fire, um, brother fire. And it's recognizing that all of creation is part of God's plan. And we're, we're part of that creation. And so we're interdependent. We need a sustainable environment in which to live. But our sisters and brothers are part of that as well. And just being, living in gratitude. Because when you're grateful for what you have, and you're grateful for the one who gives you the things that you have, all of a sudden there's a, there's a freedom, right? I don't have to possess this and hold on to this for dear life. Because first of all, it's a gift. I don't deserve it. It's just a gift. And the one who gave me this gift will give me other gifts. So if something, if something passes in my life that I used to love, it's hard to let go, but I know other blessings will come. I remember that's one of the challenges of being a friar. You know, you, you, you live in one parish or one community and you, you grow to love people, to know people, and then you have to let go and move on. But God has surprises wherever you are. And it's the same thing in our, in our families, you know? We go through transitions. So that sense of of gratitude is so so important and the, the mass is the ultimate prayer of gratitude it's it, the word Eucharist is Greek for Thanksgiving and then praise just praising God for who he is um, and I, I got the word disinterested there basically it's not because we were asking for anything we have no agenda it's agendaless it's just praising God for God's sake it's not because we're actually saying we're not buttering them up for something. <laughs> oh, you're so good, God. Thanks. How about this? Uh, how about this lottery ticket? Can you make it work? You know. So something to think about is what what do we find ourselves doing mostly? You know, what kind of prayer do we find ourselves doing? So you might want to think about that. Do you find that there's one type of prayer that you tend to do more than others, or? I think for me. Two, the petition and intercession would be the two I feel I use the most. You sure? I kind of use all of them, but 
I, I would probably have to say primarily, uh, I do try to be thankful. <laughs> I don't like to always beg. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, obviously you have things in your life that you're petitioning for and praying for, interceding for. So that probably is, living as humans, that's, that's the reality of our lives. So I think you tend to do that. I do try to remove myself sometimes from that. But it's not, it's not easy to be kind of not distracted. I, that's my biggest problem with prayer is distraction. Sure. I think gratitude for me because I'm constantly trying to right-size myself, being thankful for what I have and not what is, what is You said right-size yourself. What does that mean? Yeah, so like being thankful for what I have mm-hmm. instead of like it's not good enough. I need to oh, yeah. And it's constant. It's just constant living in gratitude. The other part of that movement of prayer is who we pray to, right? We can talk about God in general, but our God reveals God's self in very, very concrete ways, you know? So we have the image of a father, which also can be a mother. I mean, God has no gender or sex, but father is one of the biblical images. But God also reveals himself, herself, as mother too, like a, like a, like a hen that gathers her young. You know, there's a beautiful imagery around that. So we have God, the creator, father, mother, we have the Son, Jesus, a real person born in time and place. And we have the Holy Spirit, you know, the, that abiding presence of God in our lives. We also can pray, we often, often pray with Mary and the saints. We, we, we say we pray to the saints. It's, it's kind of, sort of, but it's, it's more praying with them because when we pray to saints, we're asking for their prayers. We're asking them to pray for us. So it's praying with them. But... Again, the reason that we, we have the intercession of saints is that sense of proximity. Because when we think of God, it seems so distant sometimes, right? Uh, and so above us. When you have, it's like when, you, when, you, when you're having a problem, yeah, you can go to a counselor or whatever, but sometimes you just want to talk to your, your neighbor and say, oh, I'm really struggling with this. Uh, I, I just need comfort and support. And somebody to be with me as I go through this. And that's what saints are, right? They're people who are dead, usually. <laughs> people who um, have been through what we've been through and can pray with us. Um, and that's why the, the devotion to Mary is so important. Because it's like, this is a mom. A mom who's experienced loss. A mom who had a very weird pregnancy. A mom who uh, was a refugee. A mom who really had to struggle to take care of her family. Um, if she doesn't get it, nobody does, right? So it's like, that's a good person to talk to. Do you find there's any particular person that you pray to more than others? Or is it just, or is it God in general? I pray to St. Anthony a lot, which is kind of ironic because I did growing up and my father had a tremendous devotion to St. Anthony. And he had a statue of St. Anthony in his furnace room. So we would kind of tease him at the time about going down. We'd go down there and meditate and pray to St. Anthony. He was off by himself. So that. But I actually pray to the Holy Spirit a lot for inspiration, to do the right thing, say the right thing. Wisdom. Yes. Yes. Good. Good. As you mentioned this, I feel I've been very narrow. Um, I feel like I always pray to Jesus and ignore that's great. I mean, not that you ignore others, yeah. but you, you, you go with what works, yeah. right? I mean, if, if, and that's the thing, what I said earlier, 
If that works for you, wonderful. If it doesn't work, don't be obstinate and say, well, I've always done it this way and I got it. Well, then maybe you need to, to grow and try something differently. But yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with, with the Lord, you know. <laughs> but now I try to expand my horizon. Sure, sure. Actually, I found it very interesting the way you described the saints as our friends, like it would be a neighbor. Because I think one of the things that non-Catholics have the most difficult time accepting is us praying to the, to the saints for intercession. Mm -hmm. They say, well, why are you praying to these people who should be praying to God the Father? And, you know, so they have, they have really struggled with that. Which mm -hmm. Some Catholics do take it to the extreme where, they, where uh, saints become demigods, you yes. know. And we've got people... You know, different gods. That that kind of pagan influence is not lost. You know, the, the Roman or Greek idea of multiple gods and then Zeus on top still exists. I mean, people still image it that way. Or the idea of on our shoulders is a little devil and a little angel, and we we we, we pray to the angel, and, and the, the devil gives us like it like it's a battle of equals. You know, Satan Satan is nothing compared to God. This is not a a cosmic battle between the good and the bad in the world. The, the, this is God's world, and Satan is a small influence that still pervades, but the battle's been won. Satan has been conquered, so we have to live out of that reality. Uh, does that tendency still exist? Yeah, sometimes we give in to that, but it's not a it's not a, a titan battle of two equals. Catholics do sometimes, and not just Catholics, but other people, we give in to a misunderstanding of what of what. Um, God is like and what the, what the saints are like. Then we have the two, the two main types of prayer. So prayer, when people pray, they, think, they often think of the words they say privately, but we have public prayer or official prayer of the church, which is called liturgy. The word liturgy, again, is Greek, for it means the work of the people. It's, the liturgy is the prayer of the Christian faithful, whereas in the past it was seen more as the priest's domain, or the nuns and the brothers, Vatican II reminded us, no, this is the prayer of the whole church. It is the official prayer, and lay people should be invited to participate in that. So the main prayer of the church is the Liturgy of the Hours. So it comes out of monasticism where people would stop during the day, stop their work, and praise God. And the, the, the heart of the Liturgy of the Hours is, are the Psalms where basically are mostly of praise, also of lament, complaint, and Jewish scriptures are full of complaining, you know, and we can often relate to that. Um, and so interrupt, interrupting the day helps us remember that whose day it is, that this is not all about me, this is about what I'm doing for God. And that's why it's good to stop and take a break and remind myself, refocus. And that's what Liturgy of the Hours do. Now, in our day and age, we don't live in an, in an agricultural lifestyle. It's not always convenient. So like in the friary, we pray morning prayer together, and then we pray evening prayer together. The other liturgy that is important is liturgy of the Eucharist, the Mass. So those, those two areas are called the liturgy, and certainly a lot of people pray the liturgy of the hours. Um, you can get apps on your phone where you can, where they have the liturgy of the hours of the day, and you can pray with them, so you're not feeling it, but you're by yourself. Um, certainly, there are simplified books that people can get. You can pray the liturgy of the hours. Even the missalettes often have a, kind of a generic Monday to Friday liturgy of the hours. 
And then there's devotional prayer or personal prayer, and that's super important. Um, grounding yourself in your own quiet. You know, as Jesus says in the scriptures, go to a room, go to your room, close the door, and pray um, on your own. And that's super important to, to have that experience. And that can be just very simple. We'll talk different, different types. But it can also be more devotional, like the rosary, like a novena, like a set prayers that you do. And just go straight into the types of prayer, the expressions of prayer. You have vocal prayers, which are when you, you say things, either verbally or in your heart. The Our Father, the Hail Mary, uh, a novena prayer, something that you know. Um, and then there's also meditative prayer, where you still your mind and your soul and your heart and just create a space for God to come in. Now, this is where most of us have trouble being quiet. Spending time to, to meditate, to, to focus on scripture or on some aspect of God is, is meditation. And then contemplation is that basic, uh, it's a prayer of rest, of rest, just resting with God, uh, being comfortable with God, and you're not actually actively doing anything. The way I would describe it is, if you picture yourself with your spouse or a close friend, somebody you're very, very comfortable with, you're at a lodge in the winter, it's, there's a snowstorm outside, you're comfortable by a roaring fireplace, you're on a comfortable couch, cuddled up with a glass of wine or a cup of coffee or whatever, and you just sit there and you don't talk. And, you, and, it's, and it's, there's no discomfort. It, it feels good just to be there, to look at the fire and sit and be together. That is what we picture contemplation with God. Just being with God's, in God's presence and, and sitting with that and allowing God to be God and us to be us. That's what contemplation is in its kind of fanciest way. We're also called as Christians, especially lay people, to be contemplatives in action. In other words, to have those peak experiences of the fireplace and then to bring that through the day. And that's, that's freaking... <laughs> tough but to be to be that person at the grocery store to never lose sight of that fireplace and to and to be grounded in that that's I'm far from that because I get I get distracted very easily but other times I'm not like there's times when even in a very difficult moment I can stay connected to that connection with God it helps me get through the very difficult moment that's, that's where contemplation can be a great, a great uh, blessing for all of us. Let me ask you guys, what kind of prayers do you like to do? What do you do when you pray? It, you know, is it the Bible? Is it um, devotions? Meditation? Anybody? I know and I have talked about this. Um, and for me, it's, it's trying all of them. Like, uh, growing up Catholic, certainly I did all the typical prayers, and then they began to feel meaningless and rote. So then I got a book and put my favorite prayers in that I would say, along with the prayer list for people I was praying sure. for. I tried the Bible, and with the exception of the Psalms and the Gospel, the 
Bible seemed to mean uh, mean <laughs> and, and fierce of the Old Testament, so I stopped that, and then I tried, I really tried meditation, which seems to me to be the best, where I can just go within and talk to God, and, and I found it in funny places, like when you said, when I go to yoga, that's where I actually do pray, um, and I find that quiet time very comforting. Sure, absolutely. Good for you. But I still feel like I feel like I'm talking to God and at God sometimes. I haven't felt God talking back to me, so that's kind of what I'm looking for. I think. Okay, that's good to know. What you know, where, where do we, where do I get this from God? Those are, you know, for most of us, those are rare moments, but they do come. I think I pretty much do the whole gamut. Meditation, contemplation are very difficult for me because I, my mind is cluttered. Like, I don't think I could ever be hypnotized because they say clear your mind. It just never happens. It's just, I get things bombarding me all the time. I start a prayer. Of course, that's why I kind of talk more to God than I do saying the Our Father and Homer because I'm in the middle of the Our Father and I never remember finishing it. So it is, it is very difficult for me to quiet my brain. And that's my biggest struggle. And, and part of it is we have to be careful not to judge ourselves, right? I have the same challenge, and I'm, I'm an extrovert, right? I felt like, well, I'm not as good a friar because I, I don't want to spend hours in my room by myself praying. And it kind of, we, we judge ourselves and say, I'm, I'm lacking in this. Well, I'm different, right? Now, do extroverts need to know how to be quiet? Yes. Do introverts need to know how to put themselves out there? Yes. We have our, but we have our preferences. And we can challenge ourselves, but we also have to be accepting of who we are and our limitations. And as I said in the homily this past weekend, even the desire to do differently is what God wants. Like ultimately, God wants our heart. He doesn't want certain prayers or certain. He wants our heart. And if I'm struggling with this, but He knows that I really would like to be able to do it, done. We're game over. We've succeeded because our intention is pure. You know, even though the execution might might not be pure. It's the intention that, that matters. There's a lot of different ways of praying. So centering prayer is one of them, right? And that, um, when I was younger in Montreal, I used to go um, to this uh, priory uh, in Montreal that had um, uh, John Main, this Benedictine, had developed this, this meditation group. And it's basically um, learning how to meditate, centering yourself, either using a mantra, like a word that you would repeat, focusing on your breathing and just very kind of almost Asian approach to prayer, Eastern approach to prayer. And there the, the, the biggest thing I learned was not to fight the distractions, um, but to allow them to pass. So one of the, I remember reading was one thing about, imagine um, a thought, a distraction, being like a bus. The bus you see the bus on the road, it comes in front of you, and you just let it go. So let's say you don't get upset that the bus is going by, you just, it's a bus going by. So if I'm meditating, and I think of the laundry I have to do, okay, just let it go. Yeah, okay. Don't, don't feel bad about it, that, that you thought of the laundry in the middle of prayer, just let it go. Uh, another technique that we often use is to park thoughts. Oh my God, I've I, I got to call the lawyer this afternoon okay mentally just to say I'm gonna park this 
put a bracket around it and put it aside. I'm not going to forget. Just to be gentle with yourself in that process. The key for, for learning centering prayer and doing it is to is regularity. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But And to start very, very, very small. Like even just two minutes in the morning or two minutes in the afternoon is a lot. And then you can grow to... I've had people say to me, oh, I started praying. I'm doing an hour of meditation. You know, I doubt it. I doubt it. Um, that's a long time to stay focused that way. Start small and build it. But being faithful, it's, it's like the gym, right? If you keep doing it, you will, be, you will develop the, the muscle for doing it. If, you, if you're kind of not as faithful, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be relearning. It's still good. It's still valuable, but you're relearning. The other one, which is a very, very old Catholic Christian tradition, is Lectio Divina. And that's where you take primarily scriptures and you read a passage. Now, scriptures, as you said, is a very interesting thing, right? Not all the passages. We think of the Bible as one big book, and it's actually a collection of books. Some of the books are poetry. Some of the books tell a story. Some of the books are books of law. You know, you don't open the, the books of law to get inspired. That's, that's boring. My dad decided when he was older, after he retired, to read the whole Bible. I was like, okay, that's not the way you approach it, but fine, if you want to do that. So I came back at Christmas, and he had read it, and he says, um, there's a lot of parts that really are not that useful. <laughs> so I think you should propose this to the bishops. So he had a little duotang binder of the parts he thought were helpful. And he had removed all the parts. That, I'm like, okay, it's not the way it works, Dad, you know, again. But there are parts of the Bible that are, that are important, and, and well, are, the whole Bible is important, but some are more useful for prayer. The Lexi Divina approach is to take a passage, read it slowly, meditatively, read it again a second time, and to, as, as you're reading it slowly, to let that passage sink in and to, to just allow yourself to feel, is there a word or a phrase that sticks out? And then to kind of chew on it. Well, why did the word grace, why is that word grace sticking out? What is it saying to me? And to reflect on that that way. And so there's a process of re repeating, allowing yourself to do that, um, to hear it several times, or to put yourself in, the, in that passage if, it's a, if it's something's going on. Um, another good one approach to prayer is the rosary, right? And the rosary can be hell or it can be beautiful. If you've got a thousand people praying the rosary at the same time, but not at the same time, like at Assumption, before Mass sometimes on the day, weekdays, everybody's at a different speed and it's a cacophony of sound. It can be done nicely together as a group, but it's, it's best done individually. But the idea of the rosary is to create a rhythm, um, a mechanical rhythm that occupies your mind, and during that process, you can also meditate. I think... What it works equally for me is the treadmill. Sometimes, um, and people say when they run, they, they pray the best. You're doing something physical that keeps your mind occupied, and you can sort of pray at a higher level. Yoga is, 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 is another approach, right? You're physically doing something and holding, a, holding a, a position that allows your mind freedom. And the rosary does the same thing. It's a rhythmic, constant, similar 
you, you almost like a trance at, at its best. And then the other approach to prayer that is more recent are applications or apps on your phone. There's a variety of apps just for, just for meditation or for um, reading the Bible. There's one app that the Jesuits do that's called Pray, Pray As You Go. And it's basically reading the scripture of the day, having some music, and a little reflection. I love to do it laying down in bed. I don't even get up yet. Plug the phone in, and, and, and it's wonderful. So um, do you guys have any preferred ways of praying, like um, meditation or Lexio or rosary or a particular book that you like to use? Yeah, that's the other one is, is devotionals. People like devotionals. So you begin your day by reading, especially people who have had experience with 12-step groups. That's been a, a really, really good uh, process. You read a little reflection and you just reflect on it before you start your day. Use the Jesus Calling book. Mm-hmm. Love it. Absolutely love it. And it frequently hits me right between the eyes. And it's little daily. It's not a long reading, but it kind of centers you on your own life. And it's a, it's a great. So it's Jesus calling you. So yeah. he's talking to you. Yeah. So it's uh, it's great. I've done the uh, with the rosary. Like Mary said, I get distracted. So I did find they have a books with like mysteries and pictures, yeah. <laughs> but that helped me feel like I was more following along with Christ's life to do that, so that was helpful for me. Yeah, St- Stations of the Cross, the same thing, you know, uh, yes. the pictures help. For me, one of the ways that I love to praise music, again, it's, it's something in my head that's occupying my mind. And it just gives me a space, a safe space to just to just be with God. I feel like coming today because I have Jesus calling, so it's a good reminder oh, to pull it back yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Go with it. Yeah. 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 works best with me is just focusing on something in Scripture, yeah. like finding one thing and knowing, like, I'm not going to go to Leviticus when I want to pray and connect with God because it's so legalistic. So, like, I try and focus in on stuff that I know. I reread a lot of the same stuff. The book that I read a lot that helps me recenter is... Uh, purpose-driven life. I'm a big fan of Rick Warren's and it's something that I reread a lot and it helps me kind of put stuff mm-hmm. in context. You, you, you bring up a good topic about location of prayer, so best practices. Again, pray where you can. Whenever I, I've been to a monastery, Benedictine monastery for, for retreats, the monks always tell you the first two days sleep because most people are tired and it's hard to pray when you're tired. You can pray, but if you want to do some deep praying, you're going to fall asleep. So they want you to rest. And, and basically, if you have a week retreat, you're going to have one or two days of being able to pray because the first two days are to rest and the last two days you're beginning to think about moving on already. Your mind will start going there. So you get Wednesday, you know, <laughs> which is true. And, and it's okay. Like sometimes if you fall asleep, all well, you need is sleep, you know, and, and we know that. Most of us are, are sleep deprived. Um, but be, be, be comfortable to pray, like to see a beautiful sunset, to be in the face of a, of a newborn child, to be uh, in nature. Those are all opportunities for prayer, and that's okay. However, if you want to build a, a, a discipline of prayer in your own life, it's usually good to have a set place in your house, a, a chair that's comfortable, posture when you're praying, especially meditation. It's very important to have your feet on the ground. Basically, that connection to the ground is supposed to help you 
stay awake and stay connected as opposed to laying down. And, and you want a, a position that's comfortable yet alert. If you need to sleep, you need to sleep. But if you want to pray, laying down is not always going to be helpful. So more sitting in, in a comfor- comfortable but not overly comfortable position and developing kind of a, a discipline and regularity to it. Not to overuse the word discipline, but if you're serious about growing this, a certain specific type of prayer, to, to commit to, to doing it on a regular, regular basis is super important. But it's also important not to beat yourself up about it. If it doesn't work, it's okay. Try again, you know? It's like I'm eating all these um, donuts and I'm supposed to go to Weight Watchers. You know? <laughs> it is what it is. And then to also use things that help you focus, right? We have a lot of things going on in our lives. We have a lot of people we want to pray for. We sometimes have a lot of anxieties and worries. We, we're, we're sensual people. We're visual people. We sometimes need things that help us. So first and foremost, the scriptures, the word of God, that is a way to stay focused and to, and to, and to realize what we're praying about. Number one, other devotional books as well. But also imagery, you know. Icons are not just pictures. Icons are expressions of theology. There's always something in the icon that can speak to you, a real icon. Icons always bring you back to Jesus. So a good icon, you'll see Mary or a saint, whatever, will be pointing somewhere. Just the way they look at you and what they're looking at and where they're pointing and how they're holding Jesus. It's always about bringing Jesus to people. A candle whatever you want to use as long as you're using it to help you pray having those kinds of things are important I've had so many you know people have a little niche you know a little little candle a little statue a little cross you know my dad was notorious drive me used to drive me crazy at Christmas time we'd have a huge crash in the living room and late at night I'd find him on his knees in his tidy whities praying to the baby Jesus and I thought that was kind of like oh my god really and I realized, you know, he has that, you know, that kind of a closeness to Jesus that I could only hope to have, you know. So, whatever it works, you know, people, some people keep, keep up the crib set all year round so they could pray to it. Whatever works for you is important. Lastly, I want to talk a little bit about a Franciscan approach to prayer. Franciscan spirituality is not very structured. It's usually around stories, but... Other Franciscan saints have developed Franciscan prayer more. St. Bonaventure being one of them, and St. Claire of Assisi. St. Claire of Assisi, she and her sisters were friends of St. Francis, obviously, and they had the San Damiano Cross. San Damiano Cross is a big cross that spoke to Francis, and the sisters ended up keeping it. And they would use that for their prayer. And the poor Claires were trying to live very simply in a day when... Uh, women were not seen as being strong enough to do that. And the Pope wanted the sisters to have employees and property and lots of security to take care of them. And Claire wanted to live poorly. And many of the sisters who joined the poor Claires were queens and princesses who gave up all their riches to be simple. And that really pissed off a lot of other kings and princes who wanted to marry them. But they, most of them stood their ground, even against the Pope and said, no, this is my calling from God. And so Claire would always say to them, you just stay focused on Christ. Look at that cross of San Damiano and just stay focused. And she, she used some words. She, she talked to her, her one of the uh, sisters in, in Prague, Agnes. 
who was a queen and let, gave up her crown to be a sister. And he, she told her, gaze, consider, contemplate, and imitate. So she said, gaze at the cross. Just look at the cross and look at his face. And so you can do that with a cross, you can do that with an image of Jesus, or even a passage of scripture. Look at it, read it, reflect on it. And so I, th I think of it as read it, hear it with your ears, with your senses. Gaze on it with your senses. And then she said, consider it, think about it. What, what is going on in this picture? What, what, is, what is Jesus saying in this cross? What is this passage saying to me? Think about it. Or what is about this situation with this person? Think about it. What is my mind? I, objectively, I've described it. My mind thinks about it. And then contemplate. Just sit with this cross or this person or this situation. And how is this touching my heart? What is God speaking to me? And then, this is the genius of Claire, and this is where she departs from Benedictine tradition. She says, then, imitate. What am I going to do differently? How am I going to put this into action? You know, prayer and contemplation is nice, but if it doesn't lead to anything new in me, it's kind of self-serving. So how do I move forward? And that's kind of become the, the, the mantra for Franciscans. Gaze, consider, contemplate, imitate. Prayer has to lead to action. We have to be doers of, of God's will, not just observers of it. The prayer of St. Francis, let, Lord, let me, let me know, teach me your will and, and give me the grace to do it. I was wondering, what kind of challenges do you face in prayer? And why do they, what kind of things would you like to do differently? We talked about distractions. Uh, I said a few things about that. Um, the other thing I've done sometimes is, in prayer, had a notebook for distractions and just write it down. So you're writing down the distractions? I write down the distractions. That's interesting. Right? So, because sometimes we have a lot, I mean, we're busy, right? It's like having to go to the bathroom, right? You're talking to somebody and you just, I'm not, this, this person is too important, I want to listen to them. But all I can hear in my back of my mind is, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go. But sometimes I'll say, you know, I really want to listen to you, but I got to go pee first. And then I'll come back and have my full attention. Sometimes in prayer, just if I write it down, okay, don't forget the, the laundry. Okay, it's, it's, it's going to be okay. I will remember. I won't forget. I can let it go for, for the next half hour. So that's one thing. How else? What other things are challenging in prayer? I those distractions. sister, one of our instructors, had both ways. One priest said, Distractions are totally bad. And uh, that was a priest, Eastern Rite. You know, you got to be totally blank. You have to walk into prayer with no distractions. Uh, distractions are bad. But uh, the sister said that distractions are good. They're like commercials. And sometimes you need that commercial. And sometimes that commercial brings you into where maybe you need to pray in that area. You know, I mean, maybe you have a doctor's appointment. And that appointment is thinking about the healing process and maybe that doctor needs a prayer or maybe someone oh, at that great. facility is a prayer. So there's always that ability to say to bring the distraction into prayer. Sure. You know, so absolutely. It's a great way to look at it actually. Yeah, it's it's sort of the message from Jesus or God saying, Okay, you need to focus on this. 
And it, it happens all the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I drive and I say a rosary, and good thing I didn't hit the deer. Maybe I needed to notice the deer instead of, you know, yeah. at the time of the rosary. But there's that, it's constantly going on. Life is always moving. Prayer is always moving. You know, if your prayer is stagnant, you know, what good is it? No, oh, you're right. It's like I said uh, again, reference the homily again. But if you're if you're feeling, you know, if I'm feeling resentful about someone, okay, it's not a good thing to be resentful. But then I can use that moment of resentment and change it into a prayer. You know, let me pray for this person. Or if I'm jealous about something, or, or you know, I, I, we we all become very easily aware of our imperfections. And that's that's I think original sin. You know, right? It's that the deepest lie at the, at the core of our being that tells us that we're not good enough so every little flaw in us there's times that it just surfaces right I think it was St. John of the Cross who said the closer you get to God the darker a shadow you cast right so our sins become very visible our limitations become very very pronounced precisely because we're getting closer to the sun when that happens we have to we have to be gentle enough with ourselves and say okay I'm not gonna I'm not gonna focus on that but you're right, to, to draw in the distraction into prayer, it's a great idea. That was the thing that stood about the most in your homily last week, was that very area. Mm-hmm. You were talking about, okay, you know, I'm facing the occasion of sin, and, you know, this is an opportunity for me to, God is saying, okay, let me, you know, help me, you say, God, help me through this. Yeah, yeah. And even if I screw up. Yeah, right. uh, the fact that I, the fact that I even thought about God, asking God for help, so that's a big deal. What else? What kind of obstacles do we face? For me, I get so just because like I get busy with work and life, and I get so tied into like I'm constantly on my phone because I got so much to do, and it keeps me connected. I've started having to set reminders for myself and really realizing that like I have to make dedication and commitment to it, and I can't even rely on my own mind to be like, oh, you know, it's a good idea at 6.30 in the morning when my kids aren't awake yet for me to pray. Like, I have to set a reminder and I have to, I'm very task and reward oriented. So, like, I make a task and then if I can check something off or I can get, like, a point or, like, a bell or something, it's like, haha, I did it. Yeah. I, I, I find technology can be very helpful. helps us communicate. I certainly... Facebook and, and Instagram, I know more about what my friends and relatives are going through and, and what people are doing. And uh, actually, it's there's a lot of prayer going on through social media. You know, like um, people share their news through that nowadays. Um, but also some of their, I mean, there's also a lot of nonsense, but it also keeps me connected to my, to my friends and family. For me, it's been helpful. Any other obstacles to prayer? Or things you'd like to try differently? I think my issue is I'm always doing stuff. And I need to specifically, just like you, actually put it on a list. Okay, between this this time and this time, I'm going to actually, no distractions, no TV, no music, nothing. Just sit down and think, you know, or pray. Uh, and I, I need to set a time to do that, and I, and I don't. I'm praying a lot on the dog. You know, I'll be walking down the street and praying. I'll be doing this and praying. You know, it's driving my car. I pray a lot in the car. But I think you need to not, not you need to have some quiet time. It's what I need to do more than yeah. I do. Yeah, and that, and that, the way, I mean, the way I talk to people about sometimes is 
is going out on a date with God, you know, and saying, you know, the way, yes, our spouses know we love them, right? But, and, and we love them during the day as, as we go through life. And it's also important sometimes to buy them a flower, to go out for a coffee, just the two of us, to have some quality time. Same thing with God, right? Yes, we can pray throughout the whole day, but it's nice to have some moments where we say, I'm going to give you something, I'm going to give you my time. So, but it, but it has to be natural, and it's got to be you, right? It can't be not you. So, whether it's while you're jogging or going for a walk in the park, or just going for a coffee by yourself. Okay, God, we're going to have a one-on-one. I'm just going to sit here and have a coffee. Ten minutes, just to give you some space. Do you just reminded me of, I think I need to make my life more like Lent. <laughs> because, <laughs> strangely, I, I love Lent. Because it makes me stop, and it really makes me aware of prayer and sacrifice. And I don't do that all the time. Wonderful. Well, folks, that concludes our, our session for today, our inaugural first session of Tao Talks. Thank you for coming. In you are every day Becomes eternity Thanks for listening to the Assumption Church Podcast. To listen to more episodes, connect with us in our community, or join us for worship, please visit assumptionsyr.org. Light of the world.